welcome. This podcast is hosted by Vera Bhava Yoga and explores our understanding of yoga and its relationship to resilience. If you like exploring with us, use coupon code PODCAST2022 at virabhavayoga.com to receive 15% off of all Virabhava products and programming. I am your host, Kelly Golden, and I'm a writer, a yoga teacher, a dedicated practitioner, exhaustive thinker, and the founder of Virabhava Yoga School. I've been practicing and studying yoga since 1995 and teaching since 2003. My primary focus is Sri Vidya Tantra and the ways that yoga can be directly applied to our lives in all situations. This season will continue to follow my exploration of just that, both my successes and my failures, as well as feature conversations with fellow practitioners, teachers, and humans living resilience as their yoga. Through contemplation, wondering, conversation, and experience, we will explore resilience as synonymous with the path and practice of yoga. Our conversations will unpack the points of crossover, the similarities of experience, and the ways that both practices support arriving whole and alive in the midst of wherever we find ourselves, be it hardship and challenge or joy and pleasure. Many of these conversations are hosted monthly as free live classes that also include an accompanying asana practice. Visit our website to learn more and to participate if you would like to explore studying with us more deeply. Check out our online Tantra yoga and meditation programs at virabhavayoga.com. We hope you enjoy the podcast. In this episode of the Yoga of Resilience podcast, we will explore the power of our own personal narrative and how it relates to our experience of resilience. We will talk about how our individual perspectives shape our practice of resilience in the world and how our yoga can support us in revising that perspective. This episode drops just as my book, The Yoga of Resilience, has been submitted to the publisher, so it has a lot of feels for me. I hope that you benefit from pondering how powerful our own story is on our journey of resilience. Enjoy. What I want to say, and and a big part of what we do at Virabhava is is to remind you all that you can do yoga by doing anything. It's not required that you do a down dog to be doing yoga. And I want to say that resilience is the same. You don't have to be a master of anything to be resilient. So... What does it mean to be engaging our story in, as one of resilience? It's my understanding, and I'm deep in, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm in the finishing stages, the, the never-ending finishing stages of writing a book. And so I'm deep in the idea of story and deep in the idea of what it means to collect words and language and descriptions and identity around resilience right? And we're all living out a story, right? And we are all authoring our own story. Even though sometimes we forget that we are authoring our own story, maybe we're, we feel like we're living out someone else's um, 
story of us or we're trapped in a story that we don't feel like is our own making. All of that is true. And every choice we make is adding to this story of who we are. Um, so if you've followed Vera Bhava and you've followed me for a while, you know that uh, I lost my dad back in the fall. And um, I have a picture of him here. He sits with me on my desk all the time. There's my dad. He's precious. Shout out to my dad's story. And, and he's gone, but not. He's still around. And he lives on in the story that he created for himself. And he grew up in a little small town and he grew up around the same people for 80 years. And a lot of these people know his story or at least the version of his story that relates to their knowing of him. And I'm watching how, how much our story defines who we are, not just in the moment and definitely in the moment, but also when we're gone. It is our story that remains. It is our story that is retained once our function, however that looks, ceases to be present in, in our daily lives or in anyone else's daily life, right? So it doesn't necessarily mean when you pass away, although definitely, it also means that when you choose to move out of town, there's a story that you leave behind, Right, And when you come into a new place, there's a story that you're writing and there's a story that you bring with you. And so understanding the authoring of our own story is paramount to understanding resilience. Because when we feel that we are not writing our own story or we're not responsible for crafting our own story then we're far away from what it means to be living a resilient life, right? We're far away from access to buoyancy, to relationship, to care, all of these things we've talked about for several years now related to resilience. We, if we aren't aware that we're writing ourselves into all of these stories, then we're moving through the world feeling as if um, our stories are shaping us instead of us shaping our story. And, and I want to say that both are true. We're talking about Tantra, so both are true. The story that you were born into, the story that you're living inside of, that, that maybe you had no control over, it's definitely shaping you. But how it's shaping you and how you meet that, that's... That's what you write. That's the story that you're creating. I have a teacher that says, anything is possible, but not everything is possible. I love this. And I I get lost in this contemplation a lot to think about the difference between anything and everything. And and the way he describes it is, you know, you're born into uh, a certain set of limiting factors. Right? Um, the way the world is going, it seems like we're less limited now than, than we often were. Uh, things are changing and stretching. It's very tantric. We're living in a very tantric time. But we're born with a certain set of limitations. We're born into a certain time. We're born into a certain culture. We're born into the families that we're born into, right? It reduces the everything that's possible down to our particular 
and unique anything. Right? So um, I love trees. I'm a huge fan. I'm a hugger. Um, but I, no matter how hard I tried in this incarnation, I could not become a tree. So not everything is possible for me. Anything is possible. Anything is possible with this form at this time in this place. Um, with the, with the family of origin I have with the DNA that's in my cells, anything is possible for me, but not everything. Right? So what does that mean if we lived our lives as if anything was possible? Would we perceive the same limitations that we do right now? And I guess that's a contemplation. It's an an invitation to think about what is the story that defines you? And how accurate is it to what's possible for you? Our cultural, um, what we call in, in Virabhava, our worldview is very heavy. And over the last couple of years, as the world has been changing, we've been kind of adapting and, and waking up to a worldview that might, um, as my friends in the Anthropocene philosophy circles that I, that I hang out in, um, they call it tentacles, the tentacles of our culture are everywhere. And it's, and it's often hard to be aware that our culture is influencing us or our time period is influencing us because it's so much a part of who we are. And, and when you become aware of what's influencing all of the ways you think about the world, you can start to invite in the possibility of choice. Until we become aware of what's influencing us in any given time, we feel choiceless. Right? So what is your story of your anything? Is your story that you're not very resilient, that you don't bounce back well, that you feel railroaded by life, that you're a victim of everything that comes your way? And that's an okay story if that's what you choose. But if it, if it feels like it's not your choice, then I want to invite you to review and reflect on your story. Because if it's not your choice, then it doesn't have to be your story. If you desire a story that feels more resilient, that feels more like who you really are, then every moment is the opportunity to choose that story, right? Um, I've been telling people a lot recently because I'm I'm in the I'm finishing this book uh, that the easy part was writing it. That as much as I sort of dreaded it when I got the contract, the easy part was writing it. The hard part is revising it. Right? It's really easy to write our story. We do it all the time. We do it unconsciously. We do it without much thought at all most of the time. Right? We get up. We go about our day. We um, require the things we require. We need the things we need. We control the things that we perceive that we can control. We direct the things that feel like they need to be directed. 
We have the wardrobe that we've picked out for ourselves. We have the relationships that we've cultivated, right? We just sort of go about our business, sort of forgetting that every one of these relationships, every article of clothing, uh, everything that we're trying to control, it's a piece of our story. When we bring consciousness to the awareness that all of this is a piece of our story, then every moment becomes a choice. Every moment becomes, becomes the opportunity to revise the story in which we're living to be more true to who we are or who we desire to be if we're not that yet. It requires self-awareness to do this kind of work. It requires the ability to pull back from the idea that everything's happening to you and anchor down into land into the awareness that you are participating in everything that's happening. I don't want to go too far off the edge and think that things don't happen to people. They do. They really, really do. I do not think that we are omnipotent in our story creation. We are collaborative. And if we think that we're not collaborating in the creation of our story, then that's where we start to be generating a story that feels out of our control or generating a story in which we feel like a victim, right? And maybe we are a victim, but that does that victimhood then get written into our story as the truth of who we are or is it something that happened to us that we make the choice to anchor into and grow from so that it doesn't become that identity? It doesn't become the story we write for ourselves. So in yoga, there's this, uh, this teaching of samskara. So samskara are those things that you have... Uh, the probability of repeating over and over and over, right? They are akin to ruts in a road, right? So when I teach samskara to our, to our advanced studies training, um, we talk about them like ruts in the road. So you have predisposition towards certain things, and, and we won't go deeply down the, the hole of, of karma and dharma, but when you're born, you come in with predisposition towards certain things, right? Maybe um, you were born a mathematical genius. I definitely was not. Um, but it's something that's always come easy for you, right? Always come easy to, to be able to um, understand the world of numbers. And that's probably something that you can track way back. It's always been present with you, right? That's a samskara, this sort of orientation, this probability of your um, expression, of your identity, right? And we have great samskara. Being a math whiz is a great samskara. We also have samskara that are a little bit more challenging. So maybe we have a samskara to, um, here's one of mine. I cry when I talk about my feelings. Yeah. I've gotten good at just telling people straight up. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to cry right now and don't take it personally and don't think I'm really upset. I'm not. It's just a thing that I do, right? So 
I cry when I talk about my feelings is the samskara that can also become a rut in the road. So if I chose to cry a little less, I probably could work at that, right? I could start doing the things that allowed my feelings to be okay and felt inside of me first before I express them. I can start finding the peace and the calm that comes um, when you anchor down into, into that space of feeling. And then maybe I'd cry a little less, right? So doing that work starts to resolve our samskara. But if, we don't, if we're not aware of what our samskara are, then we have a tendency to repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. And just like a rut in the road, anybody live in like cold, snowy, wet places? Yeah. Buffalo, right? That's cold, snowy, and wet. All of the above. Um, once you get a big snowpack and it starts to melt, this is like springtime, right? It starts to melt. If you're living up in the side of the mountain like I used to do in a cold, snowy place, um, your driveway just becomes like mud, right? And every time you drive your car down the driveway, it starts to wear a groove in the driveway. And what happens with that groove, that rut, is even when you try to pull your car tires out of the rut, they get pulled back in every time. And every time the rut gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, right? Every time it becomes harder and harder to pull out of that place, it becomes harder and harder to revise our story every time we find ourselves in the old familiar places, right? So we have to do the work of awareness, the tendencies for us to go back down into these same holes over and over again. And then we have to slow down the car and we have to fill up the back with gravel and we have to stop and we have to fill in these ruts by actively revising our story as we go, right? I heard Brene Brown once call it fail forward. Right? How does every failure not redefine the story that you're in, but instead revises it so that you're bringing your lessons with you the next time this part of your story gets repeated? That revision is what changes the story completely. Actively bringing your lessons with you is what changes the story completely. Being willing to see the parts about yourself. Maybe crying about my feelings isn't so great if I'm in a meeting at the bank. Right? So what do I do in that moment? What do I, how can I bring my story into the place of active revision and participation so that I adapt and adjust to the place that I find myself and the need that I have so I'm no longer being swept by this old story, but instead I'm authoring, I'm engaging with the process of writing a new one. Revising your story is uncomfortable. Whether it's the story of who you are, the story that you've written down on paper that you're about to send to an editor. It's uncomfortable because you have to look at what you've written. And sometimes what you've written doesn't make any sense. And sometimes what you've written is absurd. And sometimes what you've written is so antiquated and so out there, it doesn't even make any sense anymore. Maybe it's even offensive. And when we get to that point where we have to actively look at what we've put down into our story as us, it feels gnarly. 
And so therefore what we do is we try to avoid feeling that kind of grossness that comes with, with looking at your story. And in, in that active avoidance, we just stay unaware. Because revision is uncomfortable, because revision requires us looking at the things that are familiar to us and then questioning them, looking at the things that we perceive to be comfortable and then wondering, are they really who I am? Because that's required and it's so difficult to do, we often just don't do it. And instead, we just go about living either the story that's been overlaid onto us or the story that we've created for ourselves circa, I don't know, 1994, like maybe not that far back for most of you, but for a few of us. <clears throat> I mean, the most annoying thing once you're an independent person in the world is to go home and be redefined by a story that's no longer you, right? So what happens when you're the one? that's recreating that story that's no longer you over and over. It's a difficult and uncomfortable place to find yourself and to look at. And it's required. We can't revise what we don't see. Right? Making, a sto- making our story resilient requires risk. It requires discomfort. Primarily because it requires ownership of what we've done before. Of this old story. Oh yeah, I totally wrote that. And I'm not there anymore. I've grown. I've matured. I've revised. I've evolved. But yes, I was that. And now I'm this. This type of work doesn't cut off or slough off the old person that we were. It brings it with us. That's character development. My favorite shows on uh, televisions, is it, can we call it that? Streaming services. Uh, my favorite movies are the ones where you can feel you're with the characters as they develop. That you can hold from season one how they were and you can watch when they're flashing back to their past how who they were in their past are influencing who they are right now and then you can watch who they become in the future. That's character development. We don't ever leave any of it behind. To write and revise your story as resilience, you're not burning any chapters. The whole thing is your story. Yeah. To take that risk of revision, to start to change who you are actively in the moment with choice is really scary because there's no guarantee that you're going to succeed. Making the choice to revise your story almost always means that you're going to fail. And the ability to fail is resilience. The avoidance of failure starts to move us away from resilience because in avoiding failure, we're trying to control and direct perfection and resilience doesn't exist in a bubble of perfection. 
Have you ever noticed, and I know that this is like a huge plague in our culture these days, but um, this striving for perfection, have you gotten there? Does, does this striving, per- please raise your hand, even if your camera is off. If you haven't gotten to perfection, yeah, oh, you've gotten there. Carolyn's like, oh, totally there, totally there. If you haven't gotten to perfection, then what the striving for perfection has a tendency to do is make us feel like a total failure all the time. Isn't that, I mean, I don't mean to celebrate this, but Tantra, the biggest thing about Tantra, one of the biggest teachings of Tantra is that everything's a paradox, right? So if it's not at once failure and perfection simultaneously, then it's probably not the whole truth. Right? So how exciting is this that you're striving for perfection that leads you to failure is the point. That's the whole point. Now, I can't tell you how to work this out for yourself. But what I can say is if you dare stop striving for perfection, you probably will liberate yourself from the failure that is necessitated to be married to it. If you didn't try to control everything, and I'm not saying that you do, but you probably do. If you didn't try to control everything, then what, what, what would happen is not that everything would go out of control. Control, the paradox of control means that everything is out of control all the time. So if you want to liberate yourself from feeling out of control, the strange irony of the way that the tantric universe works. Stop seeking to control it. Right? Interesting. How can you revise your story if you're feeling trapped by this overwhelming need for perfection? Trapped by this uh, ideal control situation that to revise your story means that you let in some things that are out of control. To revise your story means that you write in a chapter just for failure. That that's how you obtain the desired revision. Not by doing more of the thing that you're trying to avoid. Yeah. So it's a huge risk. Especially if your entire identity has been shored up by these qualities of character that aren't getting you what you want, but you don't know how to let go of. Because these qualities of character become what's familiar. And what is familiar is always more comfortable than the unfamiliar, the unknown. What is known, identifiable, and predictable is always more comfortable than what is unknown, unidentifiable, and unpredictable. But when we live resiliently, we live attuned. We live, I don't know, when I say it, I feel excited about the unknown and the unpredictable. Because there's a recognition that even in those Moments of writing our story and trying to predict the outcome. There's no way to know. No matter how hard you work to craft the story 
down to the finest detail, the very perfect story of who you are or who you want to be or what you think should happen, there is no way to guarantee that that's what will happen. And I mean, guys, if we didn't all just live through that truth, come on. What does it look like to craft a story of resilience? It looks like taking the risk to not know how your choices are going to turn out. It looks like taking the risk to stop thinking that you can predict the future and start being fully engaged in the present and choosing from there. Now, what I want to say to that is the present brings with it everything that's come before and every desire that you have to come. The present does not exclude the past or the future. It includes it. So how can we write a story from where we are right now? How can we start to revise where we've been by bringing where we've been with us and start to orient towards where we desire to go without attaching to the outcome? The story is written by writing, not by knowing the end. I I just um, posted this. This is going to go up on social media in in a little bit, but there's a quote from Swami Vivekananda, and it says, You are the greatest book that ever was or ever will be. You are the greatest book that ever was or ever will be, but you'll never be done. And once you are, once your story's done, you don't get to tell it anymore. You don't get to direct it. You don't get to refine it. You don't get to revise it. When your story is complete, when you've reached the end of the road and other people begin to tell your story, your work of authorship is done. Until then, it is perpetually continuing. You will never be done writing your story until it's time for you to move on and other people to tell it. You're never going to be at that point that I think that we all desire. We talked about this in our class on Tuesday, that point where we're just done doing the work. You're never done writing your story as long as you're taking breath. And, and guys, from a tantric point of view, that's a gift. That's not a hardship. That's an opportunity. And when we look at that as opportunity, then we're starting to live resiliently. When we look at it as hardship, that we just have to keep doing the work of being alive, then we're not feeling very resilient. We're feeling burdened and overwhelmed. And we're forgetting that this whole thing is is a ginormous gift. Even if the gift is given to us at a time that's pretty gnarly, even if often it's so much easier to see what doesn't work than it is to see what works, it's, it's still a gift. A revision available is to, to work harder to see what does work, to work harder to see what is beautiful because it's so easy to see what's not. Right? Writing a story of resilience means we continually orient towards our particular anything and adjust and adapt, edit and apply each new 
peace that we gather along the way. We're just working with it continually. I have another teacher that says we don't know more until we don't know less. And I know that a lot of us have this desire to not even start writing our story until we know everything. And well, here's your big bubble burst on that one. You've been writing it all along. You don't get the luxury of knowing everything before you start. Friends, you're never going to know everything. Stop it. Know what you know. Live into what you know. And by living into what you know, you're showing up for the story that you're putting out into the world and deep into yourself. Know what you know and know it well. Know it like as tone and flavor and description. Know what you know and know how it resonates in you and then make your choices from that knowing. And what will happen? Another miracle of the paradox is your knowing will open you to unknowns and then your unknowns will become what you know which will open you to unknowns which will become what you know isn't that beautiful this is the design this is not an accident this is how it's meant to go and when we're out of that awareness often everything feels hard because we're trying to move in a place that's much more linear, much more compact, much more based in control and requiring immeasurable outcomes and dichotomies and black and white existence where we're either good or we're bad or we're right or we're wrong and there's no space to be everything. And again, the space of everything is your space of anything. When you know, when you can feel into that anything for you, then you can use it to choose how you're going to revise the story as you find yourself in it right now. That is resilience. Each experience... Lesson, pain, heartache, joy, celebration, etc., etc., can either deepen the ruts of your samskaras, deepen the ruts of what's familiar or expected, or they can begin to fill them in so that new possibility can exist. How you use your material is up to you. It's not up to anyone else. So check in with yourself when you think that someone else is revising your story for you. Because it is always up to you how you use your material. It doesn't mean that you have a, a plethora of choices. It's still anything and not everything. But how you interpret that material, how you retell it, through the way that you live, through the way that you think, through the way that you engage, all of that is writing your story. And that is all what you have access to revise. <clears throat> 
Resilience is willingness to revise. I feel like that should have a period. In my notes, it has a comma. Resilience is the willingness to revise. To apply lessons and past experiences as information, but not expectation. What does that mean? That means that even though one time it was a snake in the corner and 12 times it was a rope, it doesn't mean that we predict that it's always going to be a snake or that it's always going to be a rope. We stop assuming, right? They've been making awesome little rhymes about assumptions for years. We stop assuming that our past experience is, is doomed to be repeated. And we start recognizing that our past experience was an experience we had in the past that allowed us to inform ourselves to become more of who we are, to get more clear. And then we use that information to choose how we want to be now and where we want to go tomorrow or next week or next year. When our past defines us in a way that limits our anything, limits what's possible, then we're not in the most resilient story that we have access to. When our past is informing us and allows us to choose where we want to go in the story, empowers us to make a choice at every crossroads, then our past is a piece of our story of resilience. Yeah? Um, here's, here's the, here's the kicker. My time is almost up. I'm about to hand this over to Courtney. And this is, this is the thing that I think is the most frustrating, um, at least with the students that I work with and the, in the ways that we play together, Lila, in this, in this big game of the universe, this is the frustrating piece. Your anything is not something that you can plan. Your anything is not something that you can control. Your anything is not, most times, something that you can even know. It's a mystery. It's your place in the mystery. Your anything is simply something that you can open to. Your anything is something that stretches the limits of your personal trust. Your anything is the biggest vulnerability and the scariest risk and the greatest possibility. How will you dance with it? How will you engage? That's the revision of your story every step of the way. I have, I have this note that it's not something you know, it's something you feel. So what I want to say is we should start playing with trusting those feelings where we're like, that's not who I am. Not the knowing, not the mind saying, that's not who you are, don't do that. But that feeling that's like, this doesn't feel quite right. We should start paying more attention to that. Putting trust in this powerful space inside that's constantly opening to what's possible 
and, and start disempowering our mind, telling us that only certain things are available to us. Only certain things are possible. Right? Start trusting this compass inside more than we trust this compass that we've been educated into believing. Yeah? Ultimately, when you are gone, what will remain of you is your story. Those that are left behind will tell it and share it and wonder about it and get curious about the details they don't know and ask other people. And if you're lucky, they'll celebrate it. Yeah. You are the author of this story. The one that will be shared when you're gone. You get to choose how you write it. You get to choose whether or not this story will be one of resilience or one of struggle. And most likely, it's both. You can't get to resilience without the struggle. Your story is what will place you in time and space when you are gone. It's what will define you. It's what will give you meaning and purpose. So check in to the story that you're writing now and ask yourself with some regularity, is this the story that I want to tell? Yeah. Thanks, guys, for listening to me ramble. <laughs> Bye, guys. This podcast is only a fraction of what we do at Virabhava Yoga. To learn more about our live classes, workshops, online tantric meditation and yoga trainings, visit our website www.virabhavayoga.com or follow us on Instagram at virabhavayoga. You can also register to attend these conversations live and download the associated asana classes by visiting virabhavayoga.com backslash podcast. Don't forget to use code podcast2022 to save 15% off of anything on our website. May these conversations inspire you to explore yoga as resilience in your life. Thanks for listening.